What's up? Hope everybody's doing all right. Staying safe, staying warm, staying away from COVID as best as possible. But um, if you're if you're familiar with us or you've been following this podcast for a little while, you know that every once in a while, probably about every once every every two two months or so, I like to come on here by myself and put out a nice little solo episode and that's exactly what I'll be doing today. So, you know, some of you may have known the NBA released its annual top 100 players rankings or list. Um, now, of course, they didn't release the top 10 yet. We'll probably get that within the next couple of days, the top 5 through 10, the top 1 through 5. So for now, they've just released 11 through 100, which is perfectly fine because honestly, whether it's before the season or over the course of the season, I'm sure me, Mac, and Mike will at some point in time get into our top 10 as well. So in the meantime, today I'm going to go over just 11 through 50 because one, I'm not at 11 through 100 is a lot. I don't want to do all that. I don't really care too much past the 50 point and I just don't want this episode to be too, too long. Before I get started, I do kind of want to lay out at least my criteria, and I think probably fairly close to, or at least hopefully fairly close to ESPN's criteria, and it's as simple as, you know, what have you done for me lately, your recent success, projections, of course, your projected success, and your team success. So with that being laid out, I'll kind of go through these in groups. And I'll have side-by-side ESPN's list as well as my list. And they'll start out at 11. They've got Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler at 12, Bam Adebayo at 13, Joel Embiid at 14, and Chris Paul at 15. As a whole, I'm fine with that group. I personally would switch Joel Embiid and Bam Adebayo. I know Bam looked great in the postseason in this last season, um, but I'd have Joel at 13 and Bam at 14. The thing for me with that is I'm also going to assume with this list you're taking these guys at full health or at least fairly healthy. And while both the inconsistency and the health have been an issue for Joel Embiid, I've just seen him recently at his best able to dominate the game. And I think he's a better player than Bam Adebayo. I think it's close. Uh, Bam looked great, like I said, but I'd swap that. That's the only change I'd make in the first group. Next, you go on to Ben Simmons at 16, Devin Booker at 17, Donovan Mitchell at 18, Zion Williamson at 19, and Mr. Paul George at 20. Now... What I try to do with these things and and these kind of lists and things like this is I feel like a lot of people's initial instinct or reaction is to see the list and whatever it is they do not like or disagree with, um, they jump all over it and talk about how wrong it is. And it may be wrong, but I wanted to wait past that initial emotional reaction. So I looked at the list, I thought about it for a while, and I kind of tried to think, what is ESPN thinking here? Because I saw a lot of, oh, Zion's way too high. And I actually don't think Zion's too I think he's two spots too high. 
which I'll get into that here in a second. But firstly, I wanted to say, we got to chill out on the Paul George slander. I get, you know, some of what we saw recently, the recency bias, the postseason, it was awful. And Paul George doesn't exactly help himself off the court either. And believe me, I sitting up here defending Paul George is not something I intended to do. But having him at 20, I think, is a tad too low. In my list, I've got him at 17, right behind Simmons at 16. Um, let's not forget that just two seasons ago, Paul George was... I know for sure top five, I believe top three in the MVP vote and where he finished. Now, he came off this season with the Clippers, a uh, completely new team, him and Kawhi, of course. He, he wasn't an all-star this season, so I get that. He did come off two shoulder injuries. And overall, his numbers weren't phenomenal. Um, now, a lot of the reason he wasn't an all-star was because he was alongside Kawhi and doing the whole load management thing. Injuries were an issue here and there. He missed a good bit of games. But he did 21.5 points, uh, 5.7 rebounds, and 3.9 assists on 49% from the field. I still think he's one of the best two-way players in the league. As great as Devin Booker looked in the bubble, the that defensive side of the ball is really what would separate or give Paul George the edge for me at 17. I'd keep Booker at 18, Donovan Mitchell at 19. Um, and this is where I want to get into Zion. I... So I moved Paul George ahead of him, of course. Um, had Mitchell at 19, Zion's original spot, according to ESPN. And then it was, to me, it was down to Jamal Murray and Zion. I honestly think it was a coin flip. Because the thing about Zion, I heard a lot of, yeah, he only played 24 games. In those 24 games, he did average 22.5, 6 rebounds, 2 assists on 59% from the field. Um... Make no mistake, if Zion plays, and I know it's, it's a what if, but if he plays enough games to be considered a full regular season, he wins rookie of the year, and he's po he's possibly an all-star. Now, something I did find interesting was that he shot 42% from three. Now, like I said, he only played 24 games, and he shot, I believe, 0.6 threes per game, which means he only actually shot about 15, 16. Someone out there could do the math on that. But he only shot about 15, 16, 17 threes the entire season. So you don't want to read too much into that percentage number. But if he's able to shoot around 35 from there, it's going to be set looks every single time because that's what you're going to give him. And if he's able to hit 35, that's that'll be an issue. Um, so originally I wanted to have Zion at 20 and Jamal at 21. The thing for me, the reason I ended up switching them, and I think I mentioned it, but yeah, I had Jamal ahead of him. I had Zion at 21 because, so Jamal Murray has elevated his play in the postseason in both the last two years. So I've seen him now on multiple occasions elevate his play at the highest level. Um, we all know what he did this postseason, 26 point, or twenty-six and a half points a game, 6.6 .6 assists, and 4.8 rebounds on 59% from the field and 45% from three. Both of those were up from his regular season. He's 6'5". He's got great size at the point. He's not one of those points to where his size causes him to be a, a mismatch on defense. He can hold his own on that end, being 6'5". So I wouldn't... Like I said, this was a toss-up for me. I went Jamal ahead of him. I went Zion at 21. 
Now, in this next group of guys, ESPN had Bradley Beal at 22, Carl Anthony Towns at 23, Pascal Siakam at 24, and Kyrie Irving at 25. I struggled for a little while with my placement or my order of these guys. Um, I kept Brad at 22. I kept Cat at 23. The thing for me is, as good as Bradley Beal is offensively, over the last two seasons, him and Trey Young have traded places for last and second to last for statistically the worst defender in the league. Um, so that's what has Brad, even as low as he is for me, because it, offensively there's not much you can point to. Uh, his team success has obviously been limited with the Wizards. He hadn't had too much of an impact on winning. To average near 30 a game speaks for itself. Uh, multiple 50-point performances and losses, unfortunately. But I kept Brad right there at 22. Cat at 23. Cat was interesting to me. Cat's um, another guy where the individual, it really doesn't make sense with him. The individual defensive metrics don't say he's terrible. But if you look it up, last season, with Cat off the floor, the Timberwolves were a fine to even borderline good defensive team. With Cat on the floor, they are drastically worse. I don't know what it is. Obviously, he isn't the best rim protector, but they are, I mean, they become one of the worst defensive teams in the league when Carl Anthony Towns is on the floor, which is even more wild because if you recall a few years back, there was the um, anonymous GM's poll of who would you want to start your franchise around. And I can't remember exactly where he was, but I know Carl Anthony Towns was top three. Uh, the Timberwolves have not only not made a single postseason appearance, they've come close once when they had Jimmy Butler. And that was them. They came down to a, if you recall, it was pretty much a play-in game before the play-in games existed. It was them versus the Nuggets. Last game of the season, if not second to last game of the season. And whoever won got in, they lost that game. But I don't think anyone who truly knows who would deny that Cat is immensely talented. So I'm fine with his placement at 23. Now ESPN has Pascal Siakam at 24 and Kyrie Irving at 25. I've got Kyrie at 24. I think we need to slightly slow down on Pascal Siakam. He, his improvement has been drastic. I think that's part of the issue is that he continues to improve. So maybe ESPN feels like he needs to continue to rise higher than, at least in my opinion, I think he should be. Um, he looked very, you saw his flaws this last postseason. He looked very limited offensively. While it's gotten better, his perimeter shot is still in the works and still needs to get better. For his size, he isn't necessarily a good or even, he's an okay defender. He isn't a special defender for his size and length, which he has the ability to be. He's not a bad defender. He just, he plays defense. I don't know exactly what the best way to put it is. It's just with his frame, you'd expect him to, you know, at least show the potential to be one of those lockdown guys. And he hasn't done that up to this point. Um, so I had Kyrie at 24. Now, it may start to get kind of confusing here, me going back and forth between ESPN's list and my list. And what I'll do to help that is I plan on posting my list on, you know, all of our sites if you want to keep up. But 25 
for ESPN will go 25 Kyrie Irving, 26 Rudy Gobert, 27 CJ McCollum, 28 Brandon Ingram, 29 Trey Young, and 30 Kyle Lowry. I think Gobert is a little too high. Um, he's great. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the, arguably one of the top three to four, maybe definitely top three to four defensive players in the league. Offensively, he's giving you 15 points a game, 13 and a half rebounds, one of the best rebounders in the league on 69% shooting, so he's not really taking any bad shots. This last season, he gave you two blocks a game, which I'm not going to read too much into it, but that's statistically the least amount of blocks he's had since his rookie season. Like I said, ESPN's got him at 26. My 25 through 30 is actually where it starts to get rocky. I've got Russell Westbrook at 25. I don't think ESPN has Russ until down at 36. I think next to PG, the Russ slander is the next kind of over-the-top thing to me. We get it, he can't shoot, and at the highest level, he might be a problem to try to win with if you're relying on him. But Russ last season did 27 points a game, 8 assists, and 7 rebounds. Or I'm sorry, 8 rebounds and 7 assists on 47% from the field. Up until the bubble where he got injured and had to come back, it was statistically, and even watching, there was a time period where it was clearly one of Russ's best seasons in recent history. And I know he was doing the triple-double, but from an efficiency standpoint, he was extremely efficient. He had stopped taking threes as much. So I had Russ at my 25. I had CJ at 26, Brandon Ingram at 27. Trey Young at 28, John Moran at 29, and Pascal Siakam down at 30. There are a few differences here and there, nothing to really dive too deep into. Like I said, I had Gobert a little further down. I had Ja a little higher up. I like having Ja and Trey side by side just because. Yeah, just because. That's all you get. Um, and then, yeah, Pascal at my 30 and Rudy at 31. Um, 31 for ESPN. They went Ja Morant. Jalen Brown, Drew Holiday, De'Aaron Fox, and Chris Middleton. Now, right around 35 is where I believe ESPN kind of gave up, if I'm being honest, and just started thinking of names, because it gets pretty bad the rest of the way, at least in my opinion. Um, now, I'm trying to remember to say the numbers to help out a little bit, so if you didn't get that yet, it was Jot 31, Jalen Brown 32, Drew Holiday 33, De'Aaron Fox 34, and Chris Middleton at 35. I think De'Aaron's a little too high at 34. Um, my list goes, I had Gobert at 31, Kyle Lowry at 32, uh, Jalen Brown at 33, Drew Holiday at 34, and I had Christoph Porzingis at 35. For some reason, ESPN didn't have Porzingis until down at 41. Based off what I've seen from Porzingis when he's healthy and on the court, which is what I have to go by, even recently in this postseason versus the Clippers, the impact he has defensively is that of only the rim protection of AD level, um, maybe Giannis, Rudy Gobert. He can stretch you out from the perimeter. Um, this season he did 20 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 assists per game on 42% from the field. You'd like to see that field goal percentage a little higher. But I had him at my 35 as opposed to ESPN having him as 41. I think De'Aaron Fox was too high. 
Um, I like De'Aaron Fox, but I don't think he's better than his UK counterpart, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And ESPN's got him at 34 and Shea at 38. I moved Middleton down one just because, you know, I moved Porzingis up. So I've got my 36 through 40 is going to be Chris Middleton, Marcus Smart, Kimball Walker, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Nikola Vucevic. That's 36 through 40. Um, ESPN has Russell Westbrook, who I mentioned earlier, Marcus Smart, Shea Gilgis. And I don't, so I don't know what Malcolm Brogdon and Fred Van Vliet, what kind of ties they have to ESPN to be this high on this list. Both fine players. And it's only outrageous until you start seeing the names that are behind them. But there is no reason for Malcolm Brogdon or Fred Van Vliet to be this high. Like, neither one of those guys is a better player than Kimball Walker, who ESPN has down at 48. Um, Porzingis, who's at 41. Or I'd even say Jaron Jackson, who's at 43. Now, Kimba has had his issues, I'm fully aware. Um, I mentioned in mine, I had him at 38, behind his teammate Marcus Smart at 37. He's kind of part of the reason the Celtics had the, I don't want to say limited, but I'll, I'll say limited just because they've got championship aspirations. He didn't exactly perform the best in the postseason. I know he was coming off an injury and still is. At least from what I've heard, he plans on missing the start of this season as well. I know it was something with his knee. I uh, haven't read too much into it, but I, probably the same thing. So hopefully he can get better. But he should definitely be ranked above both Malcolm Brogdon and Fred Van Bleet. Um, he's one of the better point guards in this league. He can get exposed defensively just due to his size, but, I mean, that's part of the game, man. That's just tough. I'll go ahead and read through the rest of 40 through 50 that ESPN has. So for ESPN, like I said, they had Brogdon at 39, Fred Van Vliet at 40, Porzingis at 41, Vucevic, Nikola Vucevic at 42, Jaron Jackson Jr. at 43, Draymond Green at 44, Gordon Hayward at 45, Karis LeVert at 46, Oladipo at 47, Kemba at 48, Nin Weedy at 49, and Sabonis at 50. Now, my 40 through 50, and then I'll kind of get into what I want to get into with these guys. I had Shea right behind Kimba at 39. Vucevic at my 40. Jaron Jackson Jr. at 41. I had Zach Levine at 42. I think he was very slept on in this list. What, Levine did 25.5, five rebounds and four assists on 45% of the field. He was on Sorry Chicago, but he's another one of these guys that a lot of the guys on this list in front of him shouldn't be in front of him. I think ESPN had him down at 56 right behind Christian Wood for some odd reason, who, once again, a nice player. I'm not saying Christian Wood isn't good, but Zach Levine is a better player. Um, I had De'Aaron Fox at my 43. I had D'Angelo Russell at 44, who ESPN had at 69. Um, that's another one where it's like, I don't, I don't think they did the research last season. You know, I took the averages from his half of Golden State and half of Minnesota. D'Lo did 21 points, four rebounds and six assists on 42% from the field. So I thought 69 was way too low. He had a, a solid season. Um, had Michael Porter Jr. at 45. Then I snug Malcolm Brogdon at 46. With those two, it was as simple as 
I mean, Michael Porter Jr., like I said, it's what have you done for me recently as well as what can I project from you in the future? And Michael Porter Jr. looked great last season when he played as well as great in the postseason. Um, I did, yeah, I threw Brogdon on there at 46. He can give it to me on both ends. He did average 16.5 and 7 assists last season for Indiana without Oladipo for majority of the season on 44% from the field. Not, this is where I think the ballpark is, you know, 46 to 50 is where he belongs. I got Fred Van Vliet off this list, and that's not to say Fred Van Vliet isn't a good player, but I don't think he's top 50. Um, He kind of gives me the same offensive production that Brogdon-ish gives me, but he's not giving it to me as much on the defensive end. I had Dennis Schroeder at 47, the runner-up six-man of the year. Schroeder did 19 points, three-and-a-half rebounds, and four assists on 47% from the field. So I had him at 47. Gordon Hayward at 48, Draymond Green at 49, and Karis LeVert at 50. Now, the one honorable mention I threw on there, just because I don't think he gets a fair rap, I threw Victor Oladipo on my list at 51. I believe ESPN had Oladipo at 47. I just, like I said, I know I'm taking these guys at healthy and it's, but the thing with him is I haven't seen him do anything for me lately. And what I have seen didn't look great. But I wanted to mention him just to kind of give him a fair chance. Because if he does, or if he is able to come back as himself this next season, Victor Oladipo is definitely a top 50 player in this league. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got for today. If you listen to this and you have any thoughts, feel free to let me know. These kind of things, like I said, I love to talk about them. I love to discuss them, so I know a lot of you already do on a lot of our episodes, but if you hear something you either disagree with or you want to talk about, feel free to reach out to me. Um, and yeah, plans to have another episode, regular episode sometime this week. Didn't have this one go too long, which is always nice. I don't want to ever have, you know, just me talking to myself for like an hour. Nice 22, 23 minutes, but as always... If you've made it this far, appreciate you for listening. And no hat, we're out. Words before, but not on the radio. To be born free is to be born in debt. To live in freedom without fighting slavery. To profiteer. I've met Southerners who expect and fear a Negro insurrection. I see no purpose in withholding this from general discussion. There may be those within that outcast 10% of the American people who someday will strike back at their oppressors.